There's a story about uh, three sisters. Sisters were age 92 and 94 and 96, and they lived together. Um, one night, the 96-year-old was uh, uh, getting into the bathtub. She put one foot in the bathtub and then paused, said, um, was I getting in the tub or out? She yelled to her sisters. <laughs> The 94-year-old hollered uh, back up the stairs. She says, I, I don't know, but I'll come up and see. And she started up the stairs, but she stopped at the first step. Suddenly, she turned around and she yelled, um, was I going up or was I coming down? <laughs> the 92-year-old sister was, was sitting in uh, uh, the kitchen having tea, listening to her sisters with a smirk on her face, she shook her head, just simply said, well, I sure hope I never get that forgetful. She knocked on wood for good measure. And then she yelled, I'll come up and help both of you just after I find out who's at the door. <laughs> Isn't it true? I mean, it seems like the older we get, the harder it becomes to remember things. Um, in my case, of course, uh, I remember it has been a, a lifelong uh, tr uh, struggle. Um, it's never been easy for me. You just have to ask my wife. Uh, she will tell you how many times I have to return after going out of the car and forgetting the keys or forgetting something else in the house. I always have to end up coming back. I mean, you think about it, the human memory, right? It's a fickle thing. When it comes to our spiritual lives, I believe there is a great power in remembering. Um, I mean, it's no coincidence that in scripture, that word remember is used 166 times. Why is that? <laughs> I would suggest it's because the God who created us knows how easily it is for us to forget what is most important. In Psalm 106, the psalmist is um, uh, recounting Israel's history, and he writes, but they soon forgot. That seemed to be part of Israel's history, continually forgetting. And that's us too, isn't it? We forget. We, we forget who God is. We forget what God has done in our lives. We forget the hundred of promises that he has made to us. It was to overcome our forgetfulness that Jesus, as he sat there in that upper room uh, around that, that large table with his disciples, he uh, gave us this instruction. Remember that? He said, this is my body which is given for you. Take, eat, in what? Remembrance of me. Even so, sometimes we have trouble remembering, don't we? We forget. We forget not only the meaning and significance of Christ's death, but we also many times forget the, the power and importance of Christ's resurrection. The Apostle Paul was keenly aware of um, uh, our propensity to forget. In fact, in one of his letters, he wrote to his young protege, Timothy, who was pastoring a church in the city of Ephesus, and he tells Timothy, he says, remember, Remember, 
fact, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to this passage, 2 Timothy chapter 2. You can use one of the pew Bibles that may be in front of you, or you can find the Bible app on your phone, or if you have brought your Bibles, you can turn to that. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, let me give you a little background as you are finding your way to that chapter. Paul, when he's writing this letter, is a prisoner um, sitting in a dark dungeon in Rome, and he's facing certain death. So he sends Timothy, his young pastor, this young pastor, he sends him a letter of encouragement. He sends him a letter of, of, full of instructions. Uh, why? Well, because in the church that Timothy was pastoring, there was a group of people who uh, said that Jesus was only a man and that he didn't actually rise from the dead. And since Paul knew Timothy was naturally a shy person, he knew that Timothy was struggling with what to do. He knew that Timothy was not sure how to handle the pressure. And so the Apostle Paul tells Timothy to remain strong in God's grace and patiently endure suffering. Paul here, in fact, at the beginning of 2 Timothy chapter 2, he uh, uses several images to kind of encourage him. He, he tells him, um, uh, uses the image of a, of a soldier, and, and of, a, of an athlete, and of a, a farmer to give Timothy a picture of dedication, to give Timothy a, a picture of, of uh, hard work and what it takes to continue to, to minister. And then Paul gives the ultimate example of endurance. If you have your Bibles, you can look with me. Verse 8. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Here it is. Remember. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Now, that word remember here um, that, that's used in the original language, it's, it's an imperative. In other words, Paul has given Timothy a command. Um, the word also is in the present tense, um, which means... It, Keep on remembering. So the Apostle Paul here is giving uh, more than just some good advice to this young pastor, Timothy. No, he's commanding him to constantly remember. Remember what? Well, he tells us right there, right? Remember Jesus Christ as the one who has both risen from the dead and also is the offspring of David. Two, Life-giving phrases about Jesus that captures the essence of the gospel. We are to remember both Jesus' divine uh, human person and also his saving work. Let's take those one at a time. First of all, he says we need to remember Jesus, his person. We need to remember that Jesus is the Christ. Um, Now let me ask you a little trick question. Um, <laughs> what was Jesus' last name? Do you know? Now listen, Jesus didn't have a last name like you and I have a, have a last name, right? Um, he, he was called Jesus of Nazareth or, or, or Jesus, the son of Joseph. But that word Christ, that, that was not Jesus' last name. Christ is the, the title uh, of Jesus. It, it's, it's a title that means God's anointed, means the Messiah. It was a name for Jesus 
that showed that he was the long-awaited deliverer of his people. Remember when Jesus asked his disciples um, who they thought he was? Remember what Peter answered? Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In other words, you're the Messiah. As Jesus' trial, uh, Jesus' trial by the Sanhedrin, um, the high priest demanded, tell us if you are the Christ. Tell us if you're the Messiah, the long-awaited one. Tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. You see, Jesus was not just some great moral teacher, nor was he just another prophet. (laughs) No, Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one, the long-awaited rescuer. And so important, it's important that we remember that. It's also important that we remember that Jesus was 100% human. Those words, offspring of David, remind us of Jesus' earthly descent from King David. They imply Jesus' humanity. See, Jesus was an actual living person, as much of a, a historical figure as, you know, Abraham Lincoln, as uh, William Shakespeare. But see, Jesus was not only a man, he was also God. That phrase, risen from the dead, um, speaks to his divinity. His resurrection reminds us that he was powerfully designated as God's son. See, Jesus was God incarnate, God with flesh on. In fact, the Bible teaches us that Jesus was 100% God and he was also 100% human at the same time. Jesus Christ was truly God and truly man. Now listen, he wasn't some mixture of divinity and humanity creating a kind of a, you know, a third kind of being, you know, kind of like a horse and donkey mixed together becomes a mule. (laughs) No, Jesus is fully and completely both God and human at the same time. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. That verse tells us that the incarnation, God taking on human flesh in the person of Jesus was, so, was uh, so that God the Son could become our mediator. You see, for a mediator to settle a dispute, what has to happen is the mediator must fully represent both sides, but yet be distinguishable from both sides. Jesus had to be both God and human for salvation um, to become a possibility for us. If Jesus wasn't truly God, (laughs) he couldn't save us. If Jesus wasn't truly human, he couldn't save humans like us. Since Jesus is fully, both fully God and fully human, he is uniquely qualified to bring us into a relationship with God. And that's important for us to remember. It's important for us to remember Jesus, his person, that he was the Christ, both God and man. Second, we need to remember Jesus, um, his work. 
Um, that phrase, risen from the dead, look at that phrase. You, you, that phrase assumes, of course, that before Jesus was raised, that he was actually dead, <laughs> right? Now, that's significant because there were people back then and some even today who believe that um, Jesus didn't actually die, that instead he, he fainted or he, he passed out or, or swooned there on the cross and, and was resuscitated later by his disciples. But you think about that, I mean, how ridiculous, right? Jesus was flogged 39 times with a whip that had strips of leather, and on the end of each of those strips of leather were tied little pieces of iron and bones. And it was a, a sadistic torture that the Romans used to maximize pain while, while ripping a, a person's flesh and bringing them to a, just this short of dying. And then Jesus was nailed to that cross, and he hung there on that cross in the sun for six hours. And the spear was thrust into his side. And then Roman soldiers were there and uh, bystanders and mockers, all of them um, watching and listening and, and watching Jesus take his last breath. Then Jesus was taken down from that cross and he was embalmed with spices and wrapped in linen and put inside that tomb for three days. No, <laughs> there's no doubt. Jesus was dead. And that's important because, listen, as Christians, we believe that Jesus died in our place for our sins. We celebrate Good Friday because the death of Jesus satisfied the wrath of, of God. Our sin had to be atoned for. The death of Jesus also revealed to us the, the depth of God's love for us. I mean, God loves you. He loves you so much, in fact, that he decided that he was willing to send his one and only son to pay the price for your sin with the blood of his son. But here's the good news of Easter. Jesus didn't stay dead. He has risen, as Paul tells Timothy, he has risen from the dead. He was bodily uh, resurrected, and his resurrection proves the success of his sin-bearing sacrifice. The resurrection of Jesus was the public display of God's power and the defeat of sin and, and of Satan and of, and of death. The resurrection, in fact, is so important to the Christian faith that the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that without the resurrection, we don't even have a Christian faith. We celebrate Easter because, listen, we believe as Christians we will one day, we will one day experience a resurrection as well. On that day when Jesus returns again, the Bible says his followers will meet him in the air. We'll have resurrected bodies. New bodies without sin, without disease, without sickness. That means that all of our sufferings and all of our, our trials and, and, and difficulties in this life, that they're only temporary. Crucifixion leads to resurrection and death is not the end of life. It's only the beginning. That phrase, offspring of David then, it points to the fact 
that Jesus had established his kingdom as David's uh, greater son. Jesus is the heir to King David's throne, and he came to establish a kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We need to remember that because, listen, God's been doing something throughout history. Jesus came not only to save us from our sins, but to establish an eternal kingdom that will never end. He's working on that right now. The risen Christ is the reigning Jesus. Now listen, Paul tells that to Timothy because it was important for Timothy to remember. Why? Remember what Timothy was dealing with. He was living under the oppressive reign of the Roman emperor Nero. It's important for us to remember as well because we're living through challenging times, right? We see injustices and we hear about wars and we worry about the economy and worry about the world affairs. And we're left wondering sometimes, is God really in control of the world? Does he still reign? Does he still rule? Maybe he has stepped down off of that throne. When the world seems out of control, it's important for us to remember Jesus was descended from David. That means Jesus is ultimately in control. Jesus still reigns, friends. <laughs> Jesus is the true king, but his kingdom is not fully established on this earth yet. But one day it will be. Paul is saying something like this. Timothy, you might want to insert your name there. Timothy, I want you to constantly remember as the living and reigning king, Jesus Christ is able and even willing to help you and carry you through all of your suffering. Not Nero, but Jesus Christ, who is now exalted and is at the right hand of the Father, who has the reins of the entire universe in his hands and will continue to govern all things for God's glory and for your good. So whatever happens, Timothy, never lose courage, never give up. Remember, Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descendant of David, because that will keep hope alive amid what oftentimes seems to be a hopeless situation. And friends, that's the hope of Easter. I mean, who here doesn't need uh, have the need for some hope, for something that will breathe life into the human spirit. I'm, I mean, nobody ever wants uh, a season of hard times to come into their life, but listen, when they do have that season of difficulty, um, and it has a way, it, it, that season of difficulty has a way of making you ask, what am I really, really counting on? Am I building my life on a foundation that uh, is solid enough that when the circumstances go beyond my control that um, cannot take it away? Can't take that foundation away? Listen, I gotta tell you, that's why I've been looking so forward to today, to Easter, a time when we gather to remember that the only hope capable of sustaining human life through everything is the resurrection of Christ. 
Remembering Jesus' death and resurrection gives us the strength for the present and the hope for the future. Listen, people have not gathered for the past 2,000 years to say, the stock market has risen. It has risen indeed. <laughs> oh, they haven't gathered uh, to say, the dollar has risen. It has risen indeed. Or my political party has risen. It has risen indeed. Now, here's the one hope that's held up human beings across every continent and culture for two millennia of difficulty, of times, of, of, of trials, of, of poverty, disease, pain, hardship, and death itself. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Now, here's where I want to get personal. <laughs> if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you're not a Christ follower. Maybe you've been to church a lot. Maybe, in fact, you know a lot about God and know a lot about the Bible. But you've never taken that step to surrender your life to Christ. Then I want to invite you to take that step today. In just a moment, I mean, we're going to watch. We're going to watch 18 different individuals, nine in this service, and nine in the next service. <laughs> They're going to take that step. They're going to display that they have taken that step. They have surrendered their lives to Christ. And today through baptism, they want to publicly declare that they are on Jesus' team. Now let me be clear. Baptism does not save a person. Baptism is not... Uh, a means of salvation. Instead, baptism is an external expression of an internal reality. It's an outward picture of, of the commitment each of these individuals have already made in their hearts that they have said yes to following Jesus. And baptism is perfect for a, a resurrection Sunday. Baptism is, is a picture of, of Christ's death and then his burial in the water and then his resurrection out of the water. It's a, it's a picture of their new life in Christ, that in Christ their sins have been forgiven and they are now a new creation. So let me ask you, have you ever taken that step to surrender? Have you ever put down your guard <laughs> and accepted what Jesus did for you on the cross? Have you ever decided to step across the line and committed your life to Christ, leaving uh, behind your old life of sin, being forgiven, and then entering into that relationship with Jesus Christ? If you haven't, I gotta tell you, today's a great day to make that decision, to take that step. The good news of Christianity is what we call the gospel is that you and I were all sinners. We're deeply flawed people. The problem is, according to the Bible, only perfect people get into heaven. And heaven knows <laughs> none of us are in that place. We know that no one here is perfect. We've all missed the mark. And the penalty for sin 
is eternal death and separation from God. But God, in his love and in his grace and mercy, has provided a way out. He's provided a rescue plan. He sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, into the world to die in our place for our sin, to pay the price of sin that we could not pay. Jesus was the perfect and final sacrifice for sin by fully paying the debt that we owed to God. And he was buried in that tomb. And in three days, he rose from the grave. And the tomb was empty. And his body was gone. He is alive and he's living with all of us who have called on his name. So remember, remember, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you have done for all of us in the death of your son, Jesus Christ, for the gift of your son because of your love for us. That, God, you have redeemed us through your son, we can experience a forgiveness of sins and we can come to you through faith. I pray for anyone here who has not taken that step. Lord, today, before this day ends, might they, in their hearts, might they take that step of saying, God, I want you, I trust you, I surrender my life to you. Lord, we praise you for your resurrection. Indeed, you are alive and you're with us today. We celebrate that truth in your son's precious name. Amen.